0: What if avoiding conflict was the thing creating conflict in your relationships and sex life? Are you being fake with your partner because you're afraid to tell the truth? And is it possible to end a relationship with peace of mind? Relationship School founder, Jason Gaddis returns to discuss his new book, Getting to Zero. Today, he and I explore how conflict, especially avoiding conflict, is killing the relationships trust, and sexual experiences we're ultimately trying to protect.
1: So, I read through your book yesterday, and I start, you know, thinking of scenarios of people that would really benefit from this book, which is about conflict in relationships. And I think most of us think that conflict is is fighting all the time. And, you know, we can't get along, we can't see eye to eye, but you've done a great job in here of, of showing what conflict can, can how the, the many different forms that it takes. And then obviously kind of how it erodes things. So I want to just dive into that because I can imagine somebody's like, well, I don't have conflict. My wife and I don't, don't fight. So I'm just going to go through a few scenarios here of people that I know and, and just like, oh, this is a form of conflict too. So, you know, the first one is, his partner drinks every night and they're not having sex and he's frustrated, but he's afraid to push back and say anything because she gets aggressive when he does say something. Scenario two is, uh, both partners sweep everything under the rug and just kind of act like nothing's going on. She doesn't say anything. He doesn't say anything. And then every few months they have a big blowout, but nothing's cleared up. Nothing's like, nothing gets Mm -hmm. anywhere. It's just, this like this big emotional vomit session. And then they go back to their daily life and take medications to deal with things or they medicate yep. themselves with alcohol. Uh, another guy's pissed at his wife because she's screwing up the finances and not taking responsibility for stuff. And he gets really frustrated with her. Doesn't talk to her about it. He just goes and finds a divorce attorney. Uh-huh. Um, okay another guy afraid to commit to his girlfriend, wondering, wondering if he's with the right person. And he brings up the problem. She gets upset. She gets emotional. They're unable to work through the challenges as adults. And so he's like, I can't commit with her. We can't solve problems. And so he's in this, you know, should I stay? Should I go kind of place? Um, And then another, another scenario that I'm familiar with is on one side, she's really frustrated with him and things aren't going well. Uh, and on the outside, he's just like, hey, everything's great. You know, we, we have our ups and downs. He doesn't really take her seriously when she brings a complaint to him. And again, she's looking and, and f- trying to find a divorce lawyer. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, these are real scenarios. None of Absolutely. these was
1: really like big knockdown, dragout stuff. These are scenarios. Oh. This is how people are taking it. So, you got the book Getting to Zero. So, let's just start there. What does it mean to get to zero? How do? What does that mean?
2: Yeah. Nice. And then I'm assuming we'll circle back to these scenarios for Um, sure. Yeah. So getting to zero is getting back to a good place. Um, It's the place, it's kind of the baseline that we want to be in. If our relationship thermostat is, has settings and and zero is like we're in a good place and 10 is we're in a really bad place and anything above a zero to me is there's something that feels off. And often that's some form of uh, a communication issue. It's something that we're not talking about. It's something that we don't agree on. It's our nervous systems aren't totally feeling safe. So uh, the work is for friendships, families, and couples to get back to that zero place because life is just easier there. It feels better there. And then we can you know, go tackle all the other challenges we have.
1: I'm imagining for some people, though, if they were grew up in a in a family dynamic where there was always this tension, it then normal is yeah, but we just don't clear things up. Like it doesn't, it doesn't even occur to them to clear things up that, that being at a three, four, five, six is just normal. Somebody's going to flap the handle. And so I just want to even introduce that it's possible to get back to this place called zero where, ah, I could just relax here. And a big thing that I hear from guys is, you know, my, my wife and I, we don't have sex. And I'm like, well, why would she? And why would you, why would you be attracted to her? Why, why are you looking outside and why is she Mm -hmm. shut down to you chance? If you guys aren't cleaning things up, but how, how does this conflict impact sex and that desire for that we have for our partner?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it shuts down the space sexually. It it shuts down our hearts. Um, I don't know about you, but when I'm feeling off with my wife, whether it's a tiny little trigger around, like she looked at me a certain way to a big, you know, Uh, issue we're having about finances or something else, I, I feel closed and I go into self-protection and she does the same thing. So the last thing we're probably going to do is have sex. And so if that happens enough and we don't know how to communicate through those challenges, uh, that gap starts to get wider over time. And then pretty soon I'm in a sexless marriage, right?
1: Yeah, I wanted to bring this up because I, I, when I hear guys talk about, oh, we're not having sex, they're like, oh, I must need to get better at some skills or I need to, I need to be better in the bedroom. And I'm like, no, 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 it's probably this, right. we're talking days before the sexual activity that something probably went sideways and she hasn't been able to connect with you. And why would she want to open up? Or like I said, maybe she hurt you in some way or pissed you off in some way and you're like, I don't want to f- fucking be around her. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I I throw that out there because maybe there's a disconnect between like, I don't want to do the work. I shouldn't have to. I think there's that other part of like a relationship shouldn't have conflict it, relationships. A good relationship is free from conflict. Let's talk about that expectation. Cause that's somewhere that yeah. got planted in there somewhere.
2: That got planted in there somewhere. Yeah. And I think, I think the movies and kind of what we hear and, and also social media and people, you know, very few of us are in communities and friendships where, Uh, our couple friend that we had over for dinner is actually revealing the fight they had yesterday and really disclosing and being really vulnerable and transparent about that. So we sort of assume that everybody's doing fine. And then if we fight, there must be something wrong with us. And so, and then we feel shame and we better not show anyone that we're struggling here. And everybody's kind of colluding in this weird um, bullshit uh, kind of pretense about, we're good and everything's great and a happy couple doesn't fight and it's it's just not reality um and and like you said it's not always fighting it's it's just that crunchiness and the distancing and the hurt feelings and the years going by of of not talking about the hard things to talk about because it didn't go well last time and again we so we start living in kind of a, a mirage of we we put out in the world one you know, face and behind the scenes, we're actually not that fulfilled in our intimate relationship, and and I think that's a sign of, you know, you're not dealing with conflict, you're not dealing with these um, more difficult, uncomfortable challenges that I think would have you be in a better place if you could face those.
1: All right. So on one hand, we've got this expectation we shouldn't be having conflicts. Conflicts are wrong or bad. So I, that has me want to just not be curious or to push it down because that might reveal something. Oh no, I'm I'm with the wrong partner or things aren't okay there. And then there's just this huge desire to avoid conflict at all costs. And I love that you pointed it out in the book, which is, you know, all these people that are like, they'll go do death defying shit up in the mountains or jump out Mm -hmm. of planes. And I've known people that would rather be in in combat than actually sit down and have uncomfortable conversations with their partner. And, and what I love is that the book is a, essentially like, Hey, we can build a skill here, but before we can build that skill, why is it so hard? Why do we, why do we struggle so much with this idea of turning in to that difficult conversation and clearing things up?
2: Yeah. I mean, number one, we just don't like discomfort. I think as social mammals. Um, most of us, unless we're on the growth path and even when we're on the growth path, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't like conflict. It doesn't feel good over here. And when I'm learning a new skill, it feels bad. And I feel shame a lot and it's just uncomfortable. So,
1: so the, I just is, say, so the, the yeah. discomfort of learning something had like just revealing has that you're a newbie.
2: Yeah. Has us back off and just go, I, I don't want to feel uncomfortable. I, I want to be seen as an expert. I don't want to be seen as a beginner. Like that feels too bad. That's one layer. Um, and then a, a couple other deeper layers are like, um, we're social mammals. We're wired to connect and be together. And one of the worst things we can do as social mammals is to be on the outs with a group or with one other person. It feels traumatic. It feels isolatory. It feels really bad. And it's actually not really good for us. It's not good for our health. It's not good for our well being to be outcast and isolated. Um, so when we start to approach conflict, that's at stake. And we'd rather betray ourselves and fit in then possibly speak the truth and then get kicked out of the dyad or the group. Uh, cause that's so threatening. So we don't, we don't really like that. And then the second layer is we're dealing with a historical baggage around whatever we grew up with in our family of origin around how conflict was done or not done, how communication went down and how relationships went down and we sort of the default setting is our, what I call our relational blueprint. And it's, it's the groove we fall back into under stress. It's just the place we go when we're upset and stressed and often it's full of projections, it's full of memory, procedural memory in the body that hasn't been resolved. There's lots of trauma and other stuff that hasn't been resolved. And we're just kind of all, all that stuff comes out. And then that is really, really hard to deal with. And if we're not willing to learn about it and be curious, like you said, and and um, be self-reflective, then we're, we're kind of screwed. It's going to be yeah. very hard for us.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you bring that up because um, you know, there's, there's been moments where I could be kind of hot, and frustrated with Allison and she'll point out something to me. It's like, I think this isn't really about me. This might be about something else. She'll do it skillfully. And I'm like, oh, right. Yeah. This isn't about you. This is about something that happened years ago. I've gotten inflamed or there'll be times where I'm like, Hey, I'm not, this feels like you're talking to your dad essentially. And and it's not me. And, but we have enough, of a foundation in place to, to kind of raise a a flag there and say, hold on a second. I think, I think yeah. there might be something a little sideways here, but, um, so I, I, I hear this thing like, well, then let's just avoid it. Right. And I actually know people that are like this, where will something uncomfortable will happen and they'll just disappear for six months and then come back like nothing ever happened. And meanwhile, I don't freaking trust that person. And I, you know, I still have some like a, like a, mm-hmm. you know, bad taste in my mouth or something, but I, I thought it was, you pointed out that avoiding conflict is still a form of conflict. And I think that that might blow some folks away when they think like, well, I'm doing the good thing. I'm avoiding conflict. They don't see that they're perpetuating conflict or they're engaging conflict in a different way. So how is that true? If I'm avoiding conflict, how is that still conflictual, as you said?
2: Yeah, nice. So so I'll introduce a, just a concept in the book I write about, which is called two shitty choices. So choice A is um we feel stuck often with let's say i'm in conflict with you trip and i don't want to deal with it we've had a snag and it feels uncomfortable here and i don't i don't really want to bring it up so i'm kind of stuck so my choice a is bring it up with trip say something but trip might get mad it might get worse he might go away so i don't like that choice choice b is um i won't say anything to Trip. And I'll just keep hanging out with Trip, but meanwhile, I'll be festering this kind of weird, uncomfortable feeling every time I hang out with Trip, right? So that, I call that two shitty choices. Both, we, we, in our minds, we see those as both bad choices, and it's a double bind. So we stay stuck where we are, and we often just automatically default to choice B. And I'm, I'm saying that actually by avoiding choice A, you're actually creating a conflict inside yourself. Because every time I hang out with you now, I have to feel uncomfortable. I don't have to, but I'm going to feel uncomfortable. And that's the inner conflict. So, so the concept here is every time you avoid an external conflict, you're creating an internal conflict in yourself that now you're carrying around. And I think that's illuminating for people who's like, shit, I don't know if I want to do that. And so I'm introducing, so choice A and B take choice C, which is to, to basically take A and it's courage through conflict. It's saying, okay, I am going to speak up. Even if trip goes away, I'd rather maintain my relationship with myself and not create an inner conflict, even though I might lose trip in my life. I'd rather do that. So I, I'm advocating the entire book, like guys choose choice C, which is go into conflict. Um, or what feels like it might even, not even be conflict. That might be something your mind's making up, but go that way uh, of truth telling. Cause you don't want to be living in a bunch of internal conflicts in your life. It's not, again, it's not good for you.
1: Yeah. And I think this comes back to, I want to talk a little later on, which is really what's the purpose of the relationships that you have in your life. If it's just to have you feel comfortable and important, then you're going to do whatever you can to keep this idea of the peace around. But if you really want deeper connection and genuine trust and feel like people have your back and, and that you can trust them and they can trust you, then you've got to be willing to go into these places and, and you know, be with the truth uh, yeah. rather than, than comfort. All right. So we're talking about conflict how are, how is this different from fighting? Because some folks are actually really comfortable with fighting and can get bent out of shape about the smallest stuff. It's, it's a regular thing. Yeah. They, they're not in their world, they're not avoiding conflict, but they're not really addressing the big meat of things. So they'll yeah. be bitching about who was supposed to, you know, make lunch for the kids or whatever and blowing up, but it's not really about that. What's going on there? You know, why are there landmines essentially in the kitchen every time they walk in?
2: Yeah. Well, I could, it's a really important question. I could come at this from a few different angles. So let me see if I can try here. Um, First of all, whenever we blow up and it's been kind of quiet for a while, that usually the blow up usually is a sign of a resentment that it's a truth that we haven't spoken and enough times the other person does a thing um, that annoys us that we've squashed. Well, eventually it's going to come spilling out, especially with another kind of trigger or something else going on all my uh, resentment might just come, come spilling out. And then that that's the blow up. So I always encourage people to deal with resentments along the way. And then if you're a fighter, if you're someone who, who frequently fights like an Italian family, you grew up in an Italian family and everybody's yelling at each other at the dinner table and in the kitchen. And that's how you, thats just how you related. Um, you might think that's normal and you might think, okay, it's, it's okay to yell. It's okay to raise my voice. It's okay to talk really loud. But meanwhile, you're, you're, overriding your nervous system and how sensitive you probably are. And then you're probably chances are causing harm to the person you're with because they grew up in a different family. Chances are and that, that actually doesn't work for them. And there's a lot more you could learn if you learn to skillfully, um, you know, communicate in a way that you want to be understood. So can you communicate that way? Yeah. And I I think some people fight to get connection because they feel disconnected. I know I've done that historically sometimes with my wife is, she's really distant. I'll kind of start a fight as a way to like get her to engage with me, you know? And it's usually unconscious. I'm not like, Oh, huh, I'm going to start a fight. It's just all of a sudden we're fighting. And <laughs> she's like, dude, did you, um, did you just like try to do this? Cause you want connection with me? Like what's going on here?
1: Mm. Mm. I dated a woman that was like, that it was really confused. I grew up in a, you know, really repressed family. She did not. It was very loud and boisterous. And it was like, She's yelling and screaming and taking her clothes off at the same time. Like, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> this is really uncomfortable. Like, that was like, yes, we're connecting, and now I'm feeling intimate, and I want to. I'm turned yeah, on. Like, I want course. to be close to you, and I'm just like, get, get away from me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Um. So th- this point that I like that there's this resentment, and and it's an indicator that we're we're not really. I, I was people like, oh, they got in a fight. It was this big thing, and he you know, what if it led to violence? Oh, they were fighting over dinner. It's like, no, they were not fighting over dinner. There has been something underneath the surface for a long time. And the avoidance of that is what contributed to finally, there was this volcanic eruption of all this pent up energy and resentment. Um, Okay. And so there's still that fighting can be a way that we're avoiding things. That's the point I wanted to make is like, we might be fighting, but we're really not addressing these things and getting back to zero.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the, yeah, great point. Um, I have that there's five types of fights and you're you're, we're sort of talking about two, which is a surface fight and a resentment fight. And a surface fight is about the, who dropped off who at school or packing the kids' lunches. And it turns into this huge thing. Well, when it turns into the huge thing, it's a tributary. That surface fight is a tributary down to a resentment that's older and kind of festering, like a festering wound that just hasn't been addressed. So if you stay up here on the surface fighting about the thing that the lunches, the kids' lunches, you're missing the point and you're missing like the, no there's actually something you two aren't really addressing and what if you got more honest and just said okay the the crime doesn't fit the energy here like in terms of wow there's a mismatch and what is that why am i so livid about this the lunches it's oh it's actually you know what i remember four years ago we had an agreement about who was going to do what with the kids and i've been making their lunches for four years resenting the hell out of you uh because i never wanted to do this in the first place and i agree i said yes when i really meant no and so i'm resenting you because of that you know it could be like that
1: okay let's switch over to being triggered now because i'm imagining that if we're wanting to try to solve a problem to get back to zero yeah it's really hard to do this if we're in a place where all we hear are the fire alarms and we're in that we're in the past you know mm-hmm. and whatever happened in the past or we're yeah. in some projection about you know, some things we're not actually in the moment and able to deal with. So let's talk a bit about being triggered. And it's sometimes just even noticing, it's really hard to notice that we've been triggered because usually in that moment we feel self-righteous. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm angry and I get to be angry uh, because of ABC. So yeah. talk a little bit about that. What do we do? How do we recognize it first and foremost?
2: Nice. Yeah. I think it's important for the listener to, to, you know, it's like, ask yourself, how do I know when I'm triggered? And for example, I used to get triggered in my partnership many years ago. My default setting because of what I learned as a kid is to shut down. Um, so I wouldn't get big. Um, I call it, we, we have four disconnectors. We posture, we collapse, we speak, or we avoid. And I was more of in my nervous system, it's more comfortable to shut down, which is a collapse and then avoid and kind of pull away and just get quiet. So for some people, it's going to, that's going to be your sign that you're triggered and you're upset and you're not at a zero, you're you you're shut down, you're reacting and you're going into your shell as a way to protect yourself. So you might be only a two or a four on this trigger scale that we're talking about, but you're still triggered. And it's worth getting curious and being like, yeah, what, what was it that shut me down? What did I do? What did the other person say? What happened four days ago? Cause I would say shut, I don't know about you, but I would stay shut down for weeks sometimes. And alcohol was the only thing that had me feel better alcohol and getting outside like climbing or doing something fast moving, um, some kind of extreme sport. And I think a lot of us aren't even aware, like you're saying that we, we are in fact triggered. We're in some low grade reactivity, uh, because of some relational dynamic that happened weeks ago or days ago or hours ago. So that I think each of us has to ask, do I get, do I puff up and posture like a porcupine? Do I collapse like a hermit crab? Do I seek and get kind of anxious like a golden retriever or do I avoid you know kind of like a feral cat I don't want anyone to touch me or be near me
1: yeah I noticed that one of the trick the the things that lets me know that I'm triggered is uh I'm building a case against uh-huh. this person like yeah. oh well here's why they here's why they're wrong yep. and here's nice. where they get wrong and here's where they need to improve and here's about and I yeah. just like my whole focus is Them and where they screwed up and what they need to improve and, you know, like that whole thing. But it's, I'm like, oh, this is exhausting. All of my attentions on trying to write this injustice and, you know, feeling self-righteous in the process. And instead of getting curious, like where you talk about in the book, it's like, what's my part in this? What can I do? Yeah. That person, you know, is not here or yet I'm not, I'm not able to connect with them around this, but yeah, what that's, that's just great to come back to the moment. Like, oh, is this really where I want to hang out? Like, is this? Totally. You know, do you, is this what do productive do, you do place?
2: right after that? Like, How do you get out of that when you're in that building a case place?
1: Uh, just just recognizing it's helpful. And then if I can talk to somebody, it can be helpful. And just mm-hmm. name it. Just even naming it.
2: Right. I'm building a case. You could just name that out loud, right?
1: And it might even just be helpful to just simply be like, I'm pissed. or And then from there, yeah. it's like, I'm hurt. That person hurt me. That yeah. person let me down. That person betrayed me. That, this, and that. And get to the meat of it because Mm -hmm. that stuff at the surface of all what they did or didn't do is not getting to the meat of it, which is you fucking hurt me. And I feel like I, this, this is, I'm really hurt them, disappointed or whatever that thing is. I don't want to usually own that part. I don't want to, I don't want to reveal that I've been vulnerable,
2: vulnerable. (laughs) Right.
1: And I don't even want to like, there's even shame of like, how did I let you in to do that? Right. Yeah. So there's kind of navigating that.
2: Yeah, you're bringing up such an important point here, um, which is to not, if you're in blame, right? Whether it's the building the case thing, or you're actually just outwardly like you, you never, you always, kind of language, you're probably not going to get very far. And and what Trip, I think you're uh, so beautifully saying, is like get below that, down into what's, what am I actually feeling over here? Oh, okay, I'm angry, and then maybe I'm also below that. Maybe I'm hurt. Maybe I'm even scared. And maybe I'm even ashamed uh, try those on. And then that's going to, if you can reveal that to the other person, even though that's the last thing you want to do, that's going to probably resolve it sooner.
1: Yeah. You talk about bringing that vulnerability to the conversation, which feels like death in a lot of ways, like an egoic death. Like there's no way I want to actually share this with you. I would much rather take a shit on you and show you all the Mm -hmm. ways that you did something wrong and I'm better and I'm right. So, but that the flip side here is, can I just own it? Say, Hey, you hurt me. You disapp- I, I feel betrayed or I don't feel seen or whatever that thing is. And yeah, if we're committed to looking strong and projecting a, you know, sense that we're not weak or anything like that, that's going to feel really, really difficult. But nonetheless, yeah, it's what's true though. It's what's really yeah. true and, and we're unwilling to to own that can be why we would carry something around for so long.
2: Yeah. And I think people really lose, they get into this losing strategy of blaming the other person because it kind of works in life. If if you keep blaming people, you get to stay in the victim position and other people have power over you and you get to kind of say, they did this to me and everybody's out to get me or whatever. There's a certain kind of comfort, strangely, in pointing the finger outward um, in this kind of you know vindictive, sort of self-righteous kind of way, like you're saying. Um, a lot of us do that. And I, I think it's a pretty human, normal human tendency. But if we want to have stellar relationships or better relationships it's completely losing strategy you got to get below that like you know you're never gonna not blame I, i always say try not when people say don't blame it's like no you're gonna blame see if you can just get curious about your blame and sort of remove take just take one step back from your blaming and watch it and be like wow there i go again i'm blaming my wife and man i am mean i am kind of an asshole sometimes and then you can be like what's driving my blame Oh, I'm scared. I'm hurt. I'm feeling resentful. And then again, bring that.
1: Yeah. I remember, uh, I think we had Robert Augustus Masters on here before, and he talked about the fl- the fire and the smoke and, and this idea that when we bring that defensive or angry part of us, it tends to invite that, right? So you can see this yeah. in protests out on the street. You just see people flipping oh, totally. birds at each other. And I think what we're saying here is like, you bring that to the, to the conversation, you're going to get it in return typically, right? Yeah. You're just inviting that. So the more self-righteous you feel in your position and that the other person is bad and wrong, guess what? It's just going to come right back. But if we really are committed to clearing things up and finding solutions and and reconnecting, then it is about coming back to this like, Hey, I'm scared. You know, when you do ABC, I don't, this is really rocks my boat. We've got to talk about this. Something softens in that moment. It's really hard to throw a brick at somebody when they're saying, Hey, we've got to talk about this because I'm really scared.
2: Yeah. um, Yeah. Completely.
1: Or hurt. And that's, that's the doorway or that's the opening. Can you talk a little bit about that? Why is, why does something shift there when all it just seems like every cell in our body wants to attack and prove them wrong? I mean,
2: yeah, it's a, I, you know, I, I don't know, I'd be curious what you would say too. Um, so I don't know is my first answer. And um, just taking a guess at it right now, again, I think to be vulnerable in front of another human when we're at odds, it seems very counterintuitive and it doesn't seem like death. It seems like, no, that that's like sticking my neck out on the guillotine, like it's just gonna, I'm gonna get hurt, I'm gonna really get hurt here. But in an intimate partnership, particularly if you have a commitment that says, we're going to go vulnerable as soon as possible. And we're not actually going to kick each other while we're down around our vulnerability. And we're going to use vulnerability as a way to soften the whole situation. I, I think having an agreement like that ahead of time, it can at least remind us and invite us. And I know recently I had an interaction with my wife where I didn't know she was feeling shame. And the moment she mentioned, she felt shame. And I was, I was in blame of course. Um, and I was feeling self-righteous, The moment she mentions shame, I like my weapons just fell out of my arms and I was just, I was done. And I was like, Oh fuck. You know, it just completely shifted the dynamic in in like seconds. And that allowed us to turn the corner around this snag we were in.
1: Yeah. I want to, I want to try and shift this conversation a little bit because I can imagine that it's hard to separate it from weakness which is a huge, Mm -hmm. you know, we're deeply committed to avoiding weakness. Most as, as men, right. There's, there's just this innate. Yeah. Cause you know, if you were weak in the, in the group, you got your ass kicked essentially. So there's this real commitment to avoid that weakness. But I think what we're really talking about here is owning the impact. And so if I'm dancing with my partner and she's got on these amazing heels and she keeps stepping on my freaking toe and it hurts, you know, I can hold that resentment in and that pain and not want to mm-hmm. tell her and then blow up and be like, damn it, stop. You're a terrible dancer. And blah, blah, blah. And now I can judge yeah. her. And I start to attack and here's all the things you're doing wrong and blah, 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 blah. And then yeah. she's hurt and withdraws and goes away or she attacks back and you well, you're terrible in bed and blah. Whoa, wait a second. Where are we going here? <laughs> right. Okay. That's typically, that might be a more typical kind of a fight. Yep. Whereas if I just say, Hey, uh, you may not be aware of it, but you're stepping on my toe and it hurts. Yeah, and I hear that that just sharing the impact, mm-hmm. this hurts, doesn't mean I'm weak. It's just sharing the impact.
2: Yeah, it's speaking about what is true right now, which is, ow, that hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, ouch. And, right. and that you, that could be even something like your blame's coming at me, and I could just say, ooh, ouch, that that hurt. And instead of firing back, like, hold on, let me sit with that. Ooh, that really that stings. And then if I can even go further inside and I might be able to show the person some emotion or just like really, you know, it it kind of, like you're saying, when we share impact, it can kind of slow everything down. Cause most of us, if we're mildly empathic people, the moment we see the other, there's impact of my behavior on you, the other person we go, Oh shit, we kind of wake up a little bit. Right. That's kind of what you're saying.
1: Yeah. And I think that it helps us get from a place of, I want to be right. I want to win. Yeah. I want to have power over my partner, which is a different than I want to hurt them.
2: Yeah. Very different.
1: Very different. And I think yeah, when we and, see what he's actually hurt somebody, it's like, oh, well, that, that wasn't really what I wanted. That's not satisfying. Unless yeah. you're a sociopath or <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. Right. Okay. It
2: does happen. It course, does but. happen. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. I, and I think the back to the weakness thing is again... Um, most of us, especially us guys don't want to be seen as weak. And one of our big triggers, especially in a conflict or a miscommunication is we don't like it. We don't like, we have a button around not getting it right, not doing it right. You know, something about there's a right way. Um, and to be seen as I'm not doing it properly, that can feel so, I mean, shameful if you're like, really like, Oh, I'm not actually doing it right. <laughs> and I feel some <laughs> shame about that that's kind of the, Oh, this vulnerable place. But most guys are posturing over that saying, don't, don't see that about me. Don't see that weakness. Um, yeah, it's tricky with us guys here.
1: Yeah. It's tricky. I mean, relationships hard. And that's why I appreciate the book. It goes deep. You got a lot of skills. You got a lot of things to help us kind of navigate that world. And, um, I want to come back to, you know, I'm imagining somebody might be listening right now and they might be listening, they might be in a place like, okay, I want to start a new relationship. And let's talk about their programming they may have going in about around conflict going into this new relationship. If 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 we could help them out, what might be some better or healthier views on conflict going in instead of, well, conflict means I'm with the wrong person.
2: Yeah most uh most of the world's leading kind of relationship nerds like me would say, and I've interviewed them all uh, at this point pretty much, and they all say the same thing, which is the most successful relationships all have one thing in common the willingness and the ability to work through conflict so if you want a successful whatever that means to you partnership um, you've got to embrace the idea that after the honeymoon stage things are going to get crunchy and to me it's the third stage of of partnership in my I have a seven stage kind of model the third stage being conflict and challenge and if you can't most people don't even get past that stage um, in order to get past it it's kind of a transcendent include thing right you you have to continually get better and better at working through your differences because the differences are going to come out when you when the drugs were off and and that's to be celebrated it's like sweet. Now we're, now we're like in it. Now we're going to actually get to know each other here in a much deeper way because all of your shit's going to come out and my shit's going to come out and we can learn to love this whole mess and learn how to communicate more effectively in the process that that's love. Like love is this journey of learning how to be with someone who's very different from you, who you might even dislike at times. And there's, there's behaviors of theirs that are very upsetting. So if we can, have kind of that mindset this mindset of embracing the discomfort of course we're not talking about abuse and things like that of course so that's that's assumed here but um just embracing just general anxiety depression discomfort stuff that's going to go down between us that's a that's a real partnership and that's where the magic is and you can get deeper and have a stronger i think more uh secure partnership long term if you're willing to to know, engage in some conflict.
1: I think, um, you know, one of the things that I'm so grateful for with Allison, my wife is that I, we both have a deep sense that we can work it out. Like whatever's going to come up, we will work it out. And that's such a wonderful feeling. And what that does is it gives us a lot of space and freedom to explore things. I know of others that It it really feels like it's not whatever comes up is not going to we're not going to be able to work it out. So we don't talk about ABC and we don't Mm -hmm. bring this up like everything is so fragile. And so there's a sense of if I'm a guy and I'm in my relationship and and one of my core values, I want to I want to feel more free in my life. But nonetheless, when I go home and I'm around my partner, I have to essentially zip it up and play a role and put myself in a box That's not an inspiring place, right? So if if we are committed to freedom, aliveness, love, and peace of mind, then it's this willingness to go into these places. But yeah, it it requires this ability or this skill set to come back to and say, we can navigate this stuff. I can go out to sea and we can encounter a storm and we'll be Mm -hmm. okay. Not We're just going to get really good at avoiding shit.
2: Yeah. I I mean, I, I talk about this in the book, but it's an important point to underscore here, which is uh, people do this kind of shit. They, they take that approach with relationships like tiptoeing and oh, I better not be me here. Ooh, I, I better not say the truth. Cause it might actually really rock the boat here. That is a child approach. Like that's what kids do when they don't want to get hurt by the big people in a family. And so they squash their truth and they go into all kinds of strategies to try to avoid conflict and avoid more hurt and pain and carnage in the family system. And that works. And so people play that out as adults. They're in strategies because they don't want to get rejected or they don't want the other person to leave um, or they don't want more discomfort. I'm like, guys, that is a losing strategy. It's very, it's kind of a winning strategy for kids. But for adults, it's relationship killer. It's intimacy killer. It's um, kind of a fake relationship. Uh, so practice in dating from the start being yourself. And I know that's so cliche, but it's bring who you are to the table over and over and again, and it'll filter out all the people that are not, that are fucking not good for you. And it'll bring in people who want who all of you. And then you can start to create the kind of foundation that Tripp's talking about here with his wife, which is what I would call a secure home base, where it's a launching pad and it's a safe harbor. So they they feel, it sounds like to me, you guys, and I know this about your relationship, you feel safe and secure in that partnership to have conflict, to have the discomforts because you know, it's going to be okay in the end. You know, that's huge, but that's earned. You guys earned that through effort, right? And taking risks.
1: Yeah. It's not, it's not a product of getting good, getting better at avoiding stuff.
2: Yeah. Or finding the right, you found Allison and gosh, geez, everything was just great from the start, you know,
1: done. No, there's no, it's not a Yeah. There's no pot of gold. It's okay. We, we get, we're going to learn how to deal with challenges and we're going to learn how to work through them. And it's a skill set to learn. So let's talk about the person who might be listening, who is like, I've got, I'm betraying myself. I'm not being true to myself. Being in this relationship, walking on eggshells, avoiding the truth, playing a role. This is killing me. I can't keep doing this. I'm damned if I do damned if I don't. So mm-hmm. how can we help that person? Because in that world, it's going to seem like I'm going to blow everything up if I start to be true to myself, as you say.
2: Yeah. And and it might, you might actually, I mean, I know when I started living this way, I did blow some shit up because I, my style is to go from one extreme to the other. And I, I came out swinging, you know, like, oh, I'm my truth. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> ah, look at me. And I mowed some people down in the process and it wasn't, you know, I I hurt some people in the process. So uh, there can be a a real reaction to the old way, and like buck that i 'm never doing that again and look at me i 'm speaking the truth now, so some of us do that, um, but if you want to take a gentler on ramp uh, that 's certainly okay it 's all okay I think it 's even preferable to just continue to try and fall down and get back up and fall down and get back up. but one of the first things we can do is train retrain, and give a heads up to our person or the people in our lives that we are on the move, and we 're we 've been in a box for many decades and we're tired of being in that box and we're going to start telling the truth. And is that okay? Hey, Trip, is it okay if I, you know, I've been holding back in our relationship and I've been kind of playing small and I've just been scared, honestly, man, uh, to be myself. And I'm seeing this everywhere in my life. And would you be the kind of friend that would support me in bringing the truth? Even if you get pissed off and it, it upsets you, would you be willing to support me in that so we can enroll our friends We can enroll our closest person, our partner, perhaps. And if the person's a no, uh, and they might say they're a yes, but they actually act like a no, then again, that's information, right?
1: I I love how there's an invitation there and like, Hey, this is what's up for me. And you know, would you be on board? Right. I, I, instead of just coming out like, Oh, I went to this freaking workshop and now I'm enlightened and boom, everybody's a moron and I'm going to act my way. And you know, there's this, that can happen. Um, And then the second part about what does it mean to speak the truth? Because I see people get in this place and they think that speaking their truth means spraying their judgments, right? which is I've been withholding the fact that I think you're a douchebag or I've been, I think you're terrible at ABC. It's like, I'm just telling the truth. I'm just bringing my truth, which I think what might be better, and this is my take is be honest about what you're wanting. Be honest about what you're thinking and feeling, not, I'm not really interested in your judgments. That doesn't help me a whole lot. If you just want to come out and attack me, but if I'm not doing something well, what's your request? What's your proposal? Mm -hmm. Can you offer something there? If you're not liking how something is done, can you bring another thing to the table instead of just throwing shit at me? I I think that if, again, that's part of that invitation. Hey, I'm not really happy about how things are going. It's hard for me to admit that, but that's what's true for me. Would you be open to ABC? Could we do that instead? And that's to me is speaking your truth instead of spraying, Hey, you're a shitty person or you're, you're terrible at ABC and then expecting them to do something different or figure out what you want for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Because that, that relationship hasn't earned the right to have that kind of transparency and honesty where we just air air judgments to each other in, in a safe way. And we can actually start to work through them. That's it's not, you're not there yet. And you can have relationships where you can air your judgments, but it needs, there needs to be consent. And it needs to be like, well, let's, do we have the capacity to tolerate what kind of conflict this might create in our relationship? So I'm with trip. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there. What you can say instead is I have some judgments that I've been holding back and I I don't actually, it's not good for me to air them. I'm working through them on my side and I, but I'd just rather have a more honest relationship if you're up for that. You could say that, but you don't even need to say that. And uh, it's the, it's this uh, ownership really that, you've been scared, you've been holding back and you like a deeper, more honest relationship. And are they up for it?
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm imagining, you know, there's somebody listening, which is I'm willing to do all this relationship work and my partner is not willing. Uh, it's easy to slip into victimhood there, right? Well, I can't do anything because my partner's not on board. How do we navigate that?
2: Yeah, always a good question. Um, I'd be curious what your thoughts are here as well. Um, well, have you, most people have not adequately attempted to enroll this person in a new paradigm or a new reality in their relationship. Usually it comes out as you should listen to this podcast. You should read this book. You should change, which is the basic message is I don't accept you as you are. I don't love you as you are. And you should change. That's kind of what gets communicated. And the other person usually feels judged, criticized, and shuts down and, and is not inspired to change. Unless of course, they're scared shitless to lose the relationship. They might posture over all their stuff and and try to change for the other person, which never lasts. You know, we both know that. Um, So I don't recommend that approach. And you have to get very skillful if you want to enroll the person. And it's kind of like sales. It's like, what are their values? What do they value? What's their highest value in their life? And can you help them see how working on the relationship will help them with their highest value thing? And so you're connecting the dots for them that like, look, honey, if we work on our relationship, um, you're going to be a better mom or you're going to be a better CEO um, because you're going to have more relational capacity. Can you see that? And would you be willing to embark on this journey with me where we start learning how to work through conflict and we communicate under stressful moments? Because I think we're not very good at that. And I think we could be a stronger team. And again, I think this would help you with blank in your life that's a, I think a much better approach. And, and at the end of the day, the person still might give you the finger and be like, no, they might sniff you out and you know, I don't want to be changed. I mean, I I am who I am and you have to decide, (laughs) do you want to be in a relationship that continue to choose to be in a relationship that that does not have the capacity to weather the storms and work through adversity together like a team or not? You know, I think it starts to, create a very obvious fork in the road.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I've helped a lot of guys navigate this terrain and and I had navigated in a previous relationship and I, I realized that I wanted to have peace of mind no matter what happened. I didn't want to stay in the relationship if it meant I would feel like I was betraying myself. And I also didn't want to leave the relationship feeling like I didn't give it a shot. Yeah. And so I had to dig deep and say, okay, well, what would give me, peace of mind, even if it went sideways or it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And I, it helped me to remember that the relationship is one thing and the dynamic is another. So how am I contributing to this dynamic? The dynamic is what's not working for me yeah. on a, on a deep level. I love and care for this person and always will, right? Like they yeah. just will. I might not need, I might, I might only be able to see them once every two years, but I can still feel my love and care Uh and genuine compassion for them. I just don't need to see them that often. Right. But, but the, the other part is okay, but this dynamic, how do I shift that? What's my responsibility in that dynamic? And if I want the dynamic to change, can I create an invitation? Here's what I see possible for us. I'm no longer going to take part in this other dynamic. It doesn't work for me. It's not sustainable. What I yeah. would like, though, is something like ABC, what would you like? What would be inspiring nice. for you? Nice. And so there's a place for them to speak up, and, and that could be jarring, it could be unsettling, but at the same time, it feels a lot better than, I need you to be this person, or else I'm gone, right? Yeah. Or or it's one of these kind of ultimatums things that tends totally. to come out of there. It's more like, I think we could, could we both sink our teeth, in, teeth into this shared outcome that we would both want or what's your version of that? that. And maybe we can just kind of find a, our own paths there. And if we don't have that shared outcome, right. Where it's like, Oh, we're in a relationship where we tell the truth and we do ABC and we, like that person. Like, no, I don't, I can't handle that. I don't want to be a part of that. It's like, great. I have peace of mind now knowing that mm. we're just not a fit, right. That yeah. we're just not going to do that. And I could still love you and care yep. about you, but we're not going to be, you know, intimate in that way anymore. And, and I found that that, you know, breaking things down in that way and recognizing that I can still deeply care for this person. I don't need to demonize them. But It's just about kind of understanding that dynamic and then speaking up for what I want and inviting them into that conversation can be really powerful. And again, it's that peace of mind. Like, hey, it's cool. We're, I yeah. genuinely get that we're just not on the same page. Nobody's broken. Nobody's at fault. Nobody's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. It's just, it feels like the most compassionate thing for us to do is to move on or yeah, we're going to go deeper. And this is exciting.
2: I love that because you're making a really clear distinction here. I think this is awesome, which is, um, Hey, uh, and then I take responsibility what we've had and what we've been doing no longer works for me. Very clear, right? It's like, it's not an ultimatum. It's just clear. Hey, how we've been operating doesn't work for me anymore. I want to kind of step into a new vision here of our relationship. Are you, and this is kind of what it looks like to me, what, does it look like to you and what are you up for that? And could we possibly create a new shared vision for our relationship? I mean, when you say things like that very clearly, the person isn't made wrong because you're saying this doesn't work for me. You're not saying you don't work for me. Right?
1: Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it, it, it's clear. more along the lines of like, Hey, I don't really like pineapple on my pizza. I, I don't need to launch an attack against you because you yeah. do. It's, it, it, and again, people might get triggered because they create meaning or they go into their past or whatever, but essentially that's where we can work with somebody to kind of help us navigate that. But I think ultimately, uh, again, it's about coming back to where, where can I be open hearted and caring for this person? Even if that means we're not, you know, in the same house together.
2: Totally. Super solid.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I think this has been really solid. Okay. Tell us about the book. Where do we get it? And what do you got going on? Fill us in on getting to zero.
2: Yeah. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. So getting to zero com, um, depending on when this is released, uh, if it's after October 5th, you can still get some uh, goodies on that website. There's a, a quiz you can take to determine your conflict style that I think is pretty fun. So that, you know, I'll probably just send everybody to one place. Um, there's a, there'll be a link on there to go to the relationship school where trip's been a guest, um, on the podcast and, um, tons of different relationship resources, but the book I think is stellar. I think it's going to help you. And, um, it's going to help you communicate better through stressful moments in your life. And we all have those. This is a book I think for everybody. So getting to zero Beautiful,
1: man. Psyched for you. Congratulations, buddy.
2: Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Trip.
1: If these interviews
0: are helping you, please leave a positive review on whatever podcast app you use so that
1: others can discover the show more easily.